But the problem is, last year, they, they the seams were a lot lower in the baseball than what it is right now. Every pitcher was complaining about it, including Justin Verlander, and it was a hitter's year, albeit only 60 games. Now they say, okay, we got to go a little bit the other way, and now all of a sudden the seams are a lot higher, so we got guys like Spencer Turnbull, who shouldn't even be in the league, that you know, cats throwing, throwing no hitters. So uh, what are we going to see next year? I mean, are they going to go, are the seams going to be a lot lower? I mean, well, how come they can't come to a happy medium? So from that aspect, I think it's it's a uh, it's a bad thing because it lets me know that, okay, it, it kind of lets the fans know that there's something, something ain't right with this now. You know, either we got the high seams and we got pitches and we got pitches throwing no hitters all the time, or we got the low seams and we got hitters hitting 70 home runs a year. Well, how come we can't go to a happy because medium? Because baseball is so... It's not a game of inches. It's a game of like millimeters. Yes, I don't think like to to easier said than done. Just to come up with a happy medium, like, I could do it. Go ahead, <laughs> then do it. Should, I mean, because the medium instead of the seams being real, real low on the ball, and instead of three inches high, how come they gonna come to see? I'm going half now. See, uh, uh, an inch and a half. You 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 alter that by you, again easier said than done. You you think you would do it? You would probably screw it up. Oh. Then there would be too many of something, and you could play. I mean, there are too many batters yeah. getting hit. Uh, well. Now they can't get a grip on it, and that's bad for the league and is dangerous. So we're going to go back to one or the other. You know, I mean, it's every with every minor adjustment in baseball is going to come some kind of change. But too many baseball fans freak out about this stuff. All right, now, I think, now, I think and it's that's good. me. I don't care a whole lot, but it, 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 something something isn't special when everybody does it. But. The, the, Six people have done that. There have been 321 ever. Oh, it's awful. Been six people it's this awful. season. Clayton Kershaw himself says that's it's, not, it's, it's that's awful. That's not everybody. That's not everybody's getting a no hit. When Spencer Turnbull throws a no hit, anybody can throw a no hit. That's not true. It's not true. Oh, yeah. When Spencer a, Turnbull doesn't throw a no hit, everybody can throw a no hit. I, I don't. I, I always feel like when a guy, who was it earlier this year that, that threw one and he was one pass ball away from a perfect game? Yeah, yeah. And afterwards, he's still, like, really excited. I'm like, ah, dude, there's yeah. got to be a small part of you that's like, are, you're excited, but there's got to be a small yeah. party. It's like in Wheel of Fortune if you, like, you know, right. you get the last puzzle right. And it's if, like, if Garrett Cole was doing it, if Garrett Cole was doing it, I think everybody would, would say, okay, it's Garrett. But it's Corey Kluber right now who barely made the team, you know, out of spring there training. There have been, been enough that aren't. All stars or prominent pitchers that have thrown no hitters before. It's yep, not they, like this yep, is they unusual. They no, they didn't cheat. Yeah, they cheat. You just, you just don't, you just don't like How things come that are the fun. The Yankee fans, just, did the little Yankee fans, do they boo Bob Baffert when he goes to Aqueduct? Although he races mostly at Santa Anita. I mean, you know, do, probably. Do they, uh, well, no, I don't, I don't. You know, I'm just saying probably. that all the, all the cheaters probably. and everything. Eh, everybody cheats. I mean, it's just the way it is. So basically, you're just gonna, you're just gonna hate everything. I hate I mean, you used today. to have a segment that was called uh, Why I Hate, yes. so I guess that was a redundant <laughs> question for yeah. me. Steve doesn't like fun. That's really what it is. Or Steve's idea of fun is just, I don't know, it's its its warped. Yes. Man, <laughs> hate, man hates no hitters. <laughs> man hates no next time, Next time, you know, you're, you're calling a game and let's say let's say Kendra goes out tonight and it, it goes to extra innings and she's still out there and she hadn't given up a hit and they finally get her and be like, well, Steve's mad. He yes. Hates it. Yeah. Well, no. I, then, then I would be mad. He's ticked off. I'm she, only she for just, it for my team. She just threw a no. Else I'm mad about no hitter. He's mad. Kudos to you coming on the way in. Why do they put two and a half hours in between regional games? That's so stupid. I can understand maybe the first year that they ever did a regional and they say, "Well, okay, we just made a mistake," but change it. Look, 
And is it about me too? Yes. But there's no way there. There. There's no way. Look, you, hopefully you guys play tonight. There's yeah. no way you're playing at five thirty. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. And then the other thing again is, it's some about me. Yes, I tell people all the time. I have no problem admitting it, it is all about me. Magnese and George Washington are doing broadcasts too. You know, from a broadcaster's point of view, I got I got to wait for their post game show to end, and I got to set up all my equipment, which does which takes more than five minutes, and get ready for my broadcast. And you know, people are just really throwing to boxes, and I, the whole thing is just ridiculous. And then they want to clear the field too, you know, for COVID nineteen. That's the, the whole thing's absurd. The other thing I'm upset at is the NCAA because before the regular season even ended. Two weeks before the regular season ended, they said, okay, we're going to come up with 20 sites, and 16 of them will host regionals, mm, and mm. the top eight regional seeds, the top eight national seeds, will host super regionals regardless of what happens in the region round. In other words, they were saying, okay, Baton Rouge, a number seven overall national seed, even if LSU loses in the region round, they will host a super regional. Now they're backtracking on that. Now they say, well, okay, to be uh, TBA. So people are asking me, well, if the Cajuns win, where are they going to play in the super region round? And I don't know. The answer to that is we're going to know on Monday, but they backtracked on that. So, you know, maybe the NC Double A loves no hitters like uh, thirty no hitters a year like you. I don't know thirty. Yes, thirty. I wouldn't love thirty. Oh man, I wouldn't love thirty. Yeah, that's what made the triple crown so good. Is that yeah. nobody did it for you know, including thirty you. something years. <laughs> <laughs> Although Smarty Jones the, did, he was coming the, down the stretch. He yeah, just quit. Yeah, no, he blew it. I remember being so disappointed. Yes, never been more into. Never been, that was the, that summer of 04 was the most I ever got into horse racing. And and, and what a great name, huh? Smarty Jones for horse. I remember the cover of ESPN the magazine had him on there like just like <laughs> horse smiles like there's something funny about that. Smarty Jones, man. Um who's starting tonight? <sighs> Boy, that's a good question and it might determine the region. Who's starting tonight? I think and I and, and again people think I know everything I don't. You think you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> People think I know everything. I think they're going to go with Summer because I think they really? want to. Yes. I hope they go with Kendra. Why? But I think because I think that Kendra, I, I'm going to call it what it is. Over the, over the last five starts, she wasn't the Kendra Lamb that she was the first you know, 10, 15 starts of the, uh, of the season. I think I still got faith in Kendra. I think you give her the ball against uh, against George Washington, who's playing in their first ever regional game. I think that she sticks it to him. I really do. Is there some concern there? Yeah, she sticks it to him. And I think you need Summer Fresh for LSU. If Summer throws tonight, even if it's three, four innings, that can make the difference in the game tomorrow against LSU, who has an incredibly deep pitching staff. So, Folks, it's not necessarily if the Cajuns win or lose, and obviously the most important thing is that they win tonight. You oh, fall no. and lose the bracket, you're done. But I think the game tonight is how many innings Summer Ellison pitches, and I hope she doesn't pitch a lot. Or as maybe zero. Yes. I mean, I and I get it. You know, they want to give you know their their ace the ball. You can't fall in the losers bracket, and Summer has a little bit of a rubber arm, Listen, and that if she Kendra, can pitch multiple if Kendra, days. If Kendra gets off to a rough start, then put Summer in. Yeah, early. That's what I'm saying. Right, have a mm-hmm. quick, have a you know, and if Kendra's got it going, and you get some early runs, then roll with it. Yes, because Summer's pitching at the top of her game right. She's looking like you know, the you, Summer if Ellison. You, you win old. tonight, you win tomorrow. I mean, yes, you you might have to play two Sunday, but you are sitting pretty, sitting pretty. So and that's that's the path that's mm-hmm. 
you know, all of the paths are rocky, but you feel like the most navigate, navigatable one. I guess that's not a there word. You go. Uh, and, you know, people think that this George Washington team is like a walkover. I, I was looking at they really are a little bit of a mystery. They're kind of like Southeast Missouri State, who the Cajuns played in Oxford two years ago, and people say, oh, Southeast Missouri State, blah, blah, blah. That's a game that the Cajuns won 3-2, to two and they were fortunate to win. So they can't take this team too lightly. They no. haven't really played anybody, but they look good. So, but getting back to the pitching, how do you feel about Kandra's pitching over the last month? I really think there are two factors involved here. Okay? Um, I think that um, probably you know, any time that you, that, that you lose a coach on your staff, and, again, I don't know what happened with the Mike Roberts situation, but I think everybody knows by now that he's not with him. You know, for whatever reason, I don't know what that is. Uh, that could affect some pitchers and the pitching staff. Now, obviously, it hasn't affected Summer Ellison, uh, not at all. But I think it's probably affected her uh, a little bit. But I think the main thing that's affected her is if you look at it, Kat, you know, she pitched in in you know, Australia. She didn't pitch a lot of innings. I mean, they they, they play like twenty games a year, there. right? And then she right. came here. She was baby two years ago, as she should have been, because you know she's coming from another country. You got to assimilate. It takes a while to assimilate. Yes. And then last year she was redshirted, so she hadn't pitched any of these. You know, she hadn't pitched. Uh, you know, a hundred innings ever. So I think the wear and tear is starting to catch up with her a little bit, and I think that's only natural. So I think that's a couple of things there. And then you know, but the third thing is, I think you just chalk it up to you know some people are playing well at a certain time, and not that she's playing bad. You know, you look at her. She a lot of people would love to have Kendra Lamb right now, but she's not pitching the way that she was back in April. We know that the the way for the Cajuns to get out of this regional, the number one way. There's a list. Number one on the list is pitching. Yes, I mean it's it's that simple. And Kendra Lamb's the X factor, and I think that she could do it, which is why I'd start her today. Well, if you don't start her today, do you start her tomorrow or no? If summer well, starts another. tonight and the Cajuns win, who's in LSU beats McNeese, then who's starting on Saturday? I knew you'd ask me the first question because everybody's asked me, but I haven't even thought of the second day. Uh, I think if summer starts tonight, I think you got to give her the ball against LSU because she's your Unless she's her race. pitch count gets way yes. up. Yes, yes. Here's Jerry Glasgow on Sunday night. Something he said that stood out to us after the uh, regionals were announced. Extremely, extremely important. It's time to – time to get it done you know like it's, it's it's you know as a coach each round you know when you 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 win or you lose and if you you know we've lost two in a championship round and, you know I don't I don't want to be known as regional Glasgow I want to be I want to get that off my back as quick as possible and if we don't you know we'd like to get it done this year and it's important there's no there's no denying that it's very important all right for the record I don't think anyone has ever called him regional no. Glasgow. He's putting that on his own back. Uh-huh. Um, are they going to do it? You know, this is going to homerism, and I get it. But I think that they are. And, and the reason why I say, and look, I, I freely admit I'm a homer. I hope the Cajuns win, you know, all this other stuff. But I, I haven't picked them every year. In in 2018, when they went to Baton Rouge, I picked LSU because I just didn't think that the Cajuns had, you know, the the type of team that that was, you know, going to go over there and win a regional. Now, they went to Championship Sunday, but I did pick LSU in 2018, if everybody remembers. 2019 in Oxford, I did pick the Cajuns. I was wrong. They lost. You know, I almost beat them twice on Championship Sunday. Cajuns are playing right now the way Summer Ellison is pitching. And again, I think the X factor to this is Kendra Lamb. Uh, but I have some faith in her, which is why I'm picking him. 
I'm picking the Cajuns. In two games on Sunday, um, I'm going to go so far as to tell you that I think that the Cajuns will win tomorrow. LSU will win the first game on Sunday. The Cajuns will win the second game. How about that? So you think they're going to play two games Sunday? Yeah. Through the loser's bracket? Yeah. Then you're really going to have to depend on Kendra Lamb. Yep. You win. If you if you throw her tonight and you win, you throw summer tomorrow, then Sunday you can throw Party. both of them. Yeah. You can, you they can might back pitch. They might go Kendra the first game. Right. And hopes of, or yep. Kendra half the game, depending yep. on the score. I mean, yep. there's. There's a, the, the key, the, the biggest key, honestly, we, I, I say, obviously it's pitching. Number two, I think it's just winning tonight. Yes. Like that's, that's why, that's why the decision tonight is such a difficult one in terms of what you do mm-hmm. in the pitching. Cause it, as much as George Washington is, is not or look, the toughest opponent there is, is the, is the school hosting. Say what you want about him. It's LSU. Yeah. That's the toughest, that's the toughest, you know, block in the road here. But if you lose tonight, I mean. Yeah, you're go, done. Go, go I'll ahead. be the first one. And I'm nervous about tonight. I mean, I'm here I am picking the Cajuns to win the regional, and I'm not 100% sure that they're going to win tonight. As a matter of fact, I'm like 70% sure. You know, that's because it's softball and, you know, anything can happen. I mentioned an X factor in Kendra Lamb. I think another X factor is Jay Gorez, who she didn't play poorly this year. Not, you know, not at all. But you're talking about an all Pac-12 performer. You know, you know, it, it, when you talk about the best conference in the country, it's either the SEC or the Pac-12. And she was a first-team All-Pac-12 performer at Arizona State. She comes over here, and again, she didn't play poorly, but she didn't even make the All-Conference team. And 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 I'm not ripping on anybody because I wouldn't have voted her on the All-Conference team either. But she had a great weekend at, at the Sun Belt Conference tournament, and I still think she's somebody that's capable of carrying a team. So she's another X factor. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Scott Prather, Steve Peliquin. Tiger Park with 100% capacity for the NCAA Baton Rouge Regional set to begin today. LSU to McNeese at three. Cajuns and uh, George Washington, Louisiana and George Washington, 30 minutes after the ending of that one, whenever it's going to be, I doubt it'll be at 5 o'clock. Awful. Two and a half hours between games. Well, you know, I mean, 269-1077, phone lines are open. You know, I mean, the Cajuns have hosted a lot of tournament at Lamson Park where they just put two and a half hours between games. Yes. On I, the schedule. I, I just, I, I, what I are you doing? I, I, I still, and, and a couple of years ago, I thought it was for TV purposes or something. To try, okay, you got 30 minutes, but okay, you could still do TV if it's if there's 14 hours in between games. It would, I mean, be, like, it would be like, I mean, first of all, college football lasts so long now, especially on TV. Mm-hmm. They only do three-hour blocks, but this to me would be the equivalent, and in, in college football games go longer than three hours. Yeah. Now. This to me feels like the equivalent of ESPN was like, yeah, we're just going to spread out these TV games by two and a half hours. Yes, you're going to miss the whole first half of another <laughs> I mean, game. Like, just, what are you doing? I mean, it's just and like I said, from a broadcasting point of view, it's just awful. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. All right, Cajun baseball. That start last night just that it, it it you know for lack of better terms, it just right out the gate it felt like a kick in the nuts. Yes, I mean it just you know you, and they almost they almost. Like by the ninth, you're like, can they can they overcome this? But the, the mistakes right out the gate puts you behind the eight ball in in a series that's so important. And look, you got Connor Cook going tonight. Yep, your your mm-hmm. odds of winning tonight are high. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you had there's a lot on the line now, and um, in this series, I and the, the 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 top of the first last night. That's just that's it. 
I'm sure the team would tell you as well. That's just inexcusable. You can't get yeah. behind the eight ball. Like yeah. That. No, I, I, uh, I didn't go to the game last night. Uh, I, uh, I thought about it, uh, but I just had too much to do before I had to Baton Rouge today and everything. But I did listen to the game, and yeah, that was a, just a brutal start. And you know, the Cajuns, to their credit, I mean, one thing about a Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Degg's team, you know, that you know they're going to compete. They competed to the end, but. You know, that's a that's a bad loss. You know, you, I really thought that the Cajuns were going to win the series, and they still might. I mean, they can still win the series. It's good, but yeah. when you got when you got Arigetti going out there, and mm-hmm. then it's four nothing after one, and and what did they said all year? You got to score runs to win. If you score runs, you're usually going to win. And usually, when they score five, they do. They got five last night, and they lost. Yes, and those two unearned runs early, and then at one point they're down six nothing. Mm-hmm. Just. They kept grinding. Maybe one more inning, they could have got it done. But you, you just—it's—it's a—that's a tough one, man. And you don't want to finish first or second, right? It gives you a lot of flexibility yes. in the pool play. If you can finish first or second in the Sun Belt West, and you still have it, look, win the next two, and, and you can finish second in the Sun Belt West. But if you don't, if you're if you're not one or two in pod play, now it's you, you gotta you're gonna have to win both of them most likely. Yeah, the it, odds of advancing, it's like okay, go out there and win both of these games, and they go out and in 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 the you know the pod play of the tournament game one and have a tough first thing like they had last night, and it's gonna be tough to overcome that. Yeah, it was uh that that was like you said a kick in the gut last night. Um, I said nuts, but <laughs> <laughs> that was one that got away. That that I don't want to say got away because I mean you credit Troy for having the you know the the big first inning and. You know, you criticize the Cajuns for you know not minimizing the damage, as a late great Tony Robichaux would uh, would say. But I really came into this weekend thinking that okay, you know, UTA might be in first place in the Sun Belt Conference Western Division, but they're under five hundred. They're not going to go to Georgia Southern and win the series over there. And I'm thinking to myself, the Cajuns playing at home, it's senior weekend, they got a lot on the line. I'm thinking that they're going to win the series against Troy. And look, both those things still might happen, but. You know, last night was a tough loss. It really was. ESPN1420.com. Bottom of the hour, Scott Prather. Steve Peliquin is in with me this hour. A little NBA playoff talk. More on Cajun softball as well. And as I said, the hottest ticket for the 2021 Saints regular season based on the ticket prices on the secondary market. What is it? Find out in the next segment right here on The Great Scott Show. Sponsored by Suit Up on ESPN1420. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Steve Peliquin's got beyond the game this morning. Yesterday wasn't here for it because the NCAA is stupid. Indeed. I don't even want to get into it. They're just annoying. And they're still, and I know you want to get on some other things, but let me let me repeat to people because I'm still getting the questions. If the Cajuns win and whoever wins the Tallahassee Regional, or if LSU wins, right. we, we don't know. Right. No, 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 I take that back. If LSU wins, they're going to be hosting. We know that. If LSU wins, they're going to be hosting a Super Regional. If the Cajuns win, we don't know where they're going to be playing next week. 
It could be in yeah. Baton Rouge. Although at first, when they sent out the release, they said that, yeah. okay, the top eight seeds are going to be hosting Super Regionals regardless of whether those teams are in the Super Regionals or not. Now they've changed their minds. They're backtracked. They, 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 this has been the most disorganized yes. planning of regionals that I've ever yes. seen. And I want to give them From a little bit of benefit bottom. of the doubt because after, but I was there yesterday and I've been through this all week. And I'm telling y'all, folks, Scott's right. I mean, I'll give them, uh, you know, I'm willing to give somebody a little bit of a pass because of COVID 19 and a lot of uncertainty, but it is way too disorganized. We are, we are here in May and you start asking questions to individuals and just trying to get a better understanding of why is the setup this way. And they just pass the buck, yes. pass the buck. They just, it's like a hot potato. They go mm-hmm. from one to the other. Oh, I don't know. I don't, it's like, I bet you could get Mark Embert on the phone. He's like, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. They don't know what they don't know. No. It's just there's no – it's like you've – somebody's running this thing, but it's – somebody should be running mm. this thing, but the, the bus is running. There's no one behind the wheel. I asked two it's people yesterday, uh, two people yesterday about, okay, well, have, how are super regional sites going to be determined? Do you all have any idea? Oh, well, we're just here for the COVID testing. So I just, you know, somebody who should I talk fault. to? Talk to them. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yes. Uh, you got. You should. Um, who should I talk? To? I'm not sure. The school. Or the school. Oh no, we're just the NCA told us this. Like, you can't get a clear answer from anyone. It's awful. I just wasted hours of my life trying to get some kind of clarity on things. And I get emails. They're like, "Why don't you know?" I'm like, "No one knows. No one knows. No one knows. Not the even the NCAA." NCAA. Yes. Thirty-eight after the hour. All right. What's the? What do you think the most expensive ticket is right now for a? A Saints game next season on the secondary market. Most expensive ticket on the schedule. Uh, I didn't even. Are they playing the Packers at home? Yeah, season opener. That one. No. Call cat. Falcons. No. It's Bucks. gonna make. It's gonna make sense once you hear it. Bucks. Uh uh-uh. uh. Call cat. I don't know. Oh, Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, shit, yeah. It makes sense, right? How about them Cowboys? 485 right now is uh is is the second secondary market, which I think is like 10th or 12th highest in the in the NFL. A lot of the more expensive tickets. So I've got a list here from Vivid Seats. Let's see. 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9. So there's 10. Top 10 tickets, and you can see it all. You can read about this. Head to ESPN1420.com or the ESPN1420 app. Uh, You can read more about it there. The Raiders are six of the 10 most expensive tickets. Now, that's not because it's Mm -hmm. the Raiders. That's because it's Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. and people are ready to travel. Yes, I was getting ready to say Las Vegas. the, The ninth most expensive ticket on the secondary market right now is Chargers at Raiders. And we know the Chargers don't have any fans no, in L.A. No, no, And the Raiders just got to Vegas. I mean, like, this is yeah. this is one. Dolphins at Raiders, Cowboys at Raiders, Bears at Raiders, <laughs> Eagles at Ra- Raiders. Ravens at Raiders right now is the second to most expensive ticket, $944. I mean, six, six games, six of the eight Raiders home games are – Six of the top ten most expensive tickets right now in the NFL. Wow. It's a combination of Vegas, yeah. first season they can have fans there, and people are, are I think, going to be – football people are going to be ready to travel yes. next year. And, when the, I mean, a lot of Saints fans, they had booked that one last year and then COVID hit, but they were thinking to themselves before COVID hit, oh, 
States are going to Vegas yes. next year. We gotta go. We gotta go to that one. Yeah, and of course, Vegas has never really hosted a you know home game yet. Last year, don't count. They didn't have anybody in the stands. So yeah, Las Vegas has more to do with that. I heard you know been hearing people talk about how you know the Raiders still have a national fan base a little, but not nearly. It's what, not no, what it was. No, I mean, you know, it is not what no, it was back no, in the day. No. So all of that has to do a lot more with Las Vegas. That's 95% Las Vegas and 5% people wanting to see the Raiders. I guess, yes. if even that. Yeah. Um, so six six of the ten are, are, the, are, the, are the Raiders. The Cowboys are on here three times in the bottom half. Cowboys at Patriots is sixth. Cowboys at Bucks is eighth. Cowboys at Saints is tenth. So that leaves one other one, and that is Bucks at Patriots, Tom Brady, yeah. what happens if he gets hurt like week two and all these people are forking out all this money and Sunday night football is suddenly calling a game yeah. and Ryan Griffin is starting <laughs> against, you know, Brian Hoyer. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I don't want to wish. No, I'm not wishing injury on him, but I'm not, I'm not, you know. I you, would, would, you would laugh. You oh, would yeah, laugh. I'd laugh. I, I, I just would. Because we're going to hear about that all week long. 13, oh, all week, all season mm-hmm. until it happens. $1,376 right now is the ticket you can get on the secondary market. For That's that unbelievable. $1,376. That's yeah. unbelievable to me. I mean, we it could happen. He could get hurt in the preseason. Yes. He could get hurt week one. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly that game is, boy, NBC would just be crushed. You're you, too. Uh, and you hear Chris Collinsworth now. You're like, you know, Al, it really <laughs> is disappointing that we didn't get to see. <laughs> Who is now the master and who is the student? Am I right? I mean, mean, to your left, you got Bill Belichick. That's my favorite one. And then then you're right. You you got Tom Brady, who has just stood the test. Turn back the clock. I can't wait. He bites his lip. You were, uh, (laughs) yes. I love you, Collinsworth. You were uh, uh, a little tyke at the time. But do you remember when the uh, the Bulls played at the Cajun Dome, the Chicago Bulls? Yes. I think so. Yes, and yeah. and yeah, and of course people were all upset because Jordan didn't play. And it, I went to a game where he played at the well, he didn't play where the Bulls played at the Superdome too. Okay, and it was you know it was the reason I remember it is one it was an NBA game of the Super the Hawks? season. I don't even remember who they're playing. And the Hawks were, had used to play a handful of games at the Superdome every I, year. I, I I don't think it was the Hawks, but. Jordan wasn't there. Like that was the kind of power Jordan had. He would be like the, the and Pippen didn't play in the game. He's right. just sitting. It basically it was it was one of Tony Kukoc's first games ever. He had just gotten like his visa. Yeah, and it, and it was impressive. He was good. It was impressive. But like all these people showed up to the Superdome. They're all wearing Jordan jerseys, and like he wasn't playing. But like back then. Most people didn't know. They just said, oh, the Bulls yeah. are coming. They all bought their tickets. They'd get angry he didn't play, but then they just go home. Like, who are you going to complain <laughs> yes, about it yeah. to? Like, before social media, like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't know. I mean, of course, Jordan's not going to the cage. No, no. But people bought tickets, and they're all upset. And I'm like, well, God, that's just the way it is. And they're like, well, I should get my money. It didn't say Michael Jordan's going to appear. It said the Chicago Bulls against the Rock, whoever. They, I don't even remember they were playing. Bulls against the Rockets. But people all upset they wanted their money back. I'm like, God, you can't have your money back. That's not – It's it was – it really was. It really was. It really, <laughs> it really was like messed up how they did it. Like back then, you know, like the Dallas Cowboys in their heyday of the '90s, they were they were. I mean, I couldn't stand them, but they were just like 
these larger than life celebrities mm-hmm. and like four like four to six players on the team would travel around the country in the off season and they would play basketball games against local celebrities really? so they yeah dude out at the Cajun Dome during the Cajun Heartland State Fair which by the way is coming back yeah Sponsored by LUS, May 27th through June the 6th. You can read more. Click on fair on the what's hot bar at ESPN1420.com. The Cowboys came and played um, a group of local Lafayette celebrities, probably 93, 94, something like that, right around when they were still winning Super Bowls and kind of all the rage. But, like, they would say that all the radio ads and and some some of the local celebrities were people that worked in the radio business, but they would just say, the Dallas Cowboys are coming to play basketball. And it was like Nate Newton and a couple and like maybe five or six other guys on the team that like you didn't, no one had ever heard of. And they would play a game and you'd go to the Cajun home and they'd have, they'd give out raffle tickets. They'd do all this stuff. They'd, it was just this big money grab. And then the winner of the raffle would get a signed Cowboys helmet, but it would just be a helmet with, you know, signatures like, I think I remember that. Yeah, it would okay. be it would be a helmet with signatures, but just of the guys that played in. Some of those guys probably didn't even make the Cowboys team, right? But the whole promotion was the Dallas the Cowboys. Cajun Dome, the yeah. Dallas Cowboys, the Super Bowl <laughs> champions at the Cajun Dome. They said, who is this? Taking guy? on the local, yeah. And then you go and you got the only one I remember is Nate Newton, right? And, and he's hard to forget. Yeah. And it was just, and they would just go from town to town and go on this little tour and party. The you know the the six or seven Cowboys that one of what you knew about. And they'd play local celebrities, and people would show up, and they'd all go. Unbelievable! It was just this outing, and I'm like, but like, this isn't this isn't the Cowboys. Yeah, I think I remember. Now that you brought it up, I think a I friend, remember. a friend of mine, I went with a friend of mine to both. Of, he brought me to both that and the the Bulls game at the Superdome, and um, I remember him being like really excited because he liked those teams at the time, and I was just like. I don't know. There was part of me even then that was like, I don't know, it was probably like 12 or something. It was like 11. I was like, I'm I'm just, something seems <laughs> off about it. Like, I don't know that we're about to yes, see this. Yes. I don't know we're about to create this incredible memory. <laughs> yeah. And why would you? Why is uh, Emmett Smith going to be touring around and Who were you in a fan cities? of at the time? Who were you a fan of before the uh, the, the, the Pelicans slash Hornets? Utah Jazz. You're a jazz guy. Yeah. Okay. See, I, people ask me how I became a fan of the Mavericks. I, there's no way I could have been a fan of the Utah Jazz. Why? Because, you know, I was a big fan of jazz when I was a little kid. I used to follow them religion. They, they, they left it. when I was like two. Yeah. And um, I don't I don't remember why. I guess the colors, the players. I just liked the Jazz. And they were good. And Oh, no, there were some people even after they moved. They were still fans that, of the that, Jazz. That might have had something to do with it. But, like, I remember, it, like, the school library, they had a lot of books mm-hmm. on the Jazz. P- part of that probably was... From their time in New Orleans, but you know, you read about Pistol Pete, yeah. you read, you know, and then Stockton and Malone were there, and they'd have all these books, and I think, I think the library at my school was kind of what got me into it. And then, you know, back then it, you didn't get to see as many games as you do now, and so anytime they were on, especially in the playoffs, they'd usually have a, a decent run. I'd play with them on like the old video games. So yeah, they were, and and like like a lot of kids in the early nineties, I um. You know, I got into the Charlotte Hornets whenever they were kind of like all the rage for a little while. They weren't my favorite, the Jazz, but I, I like them. Then I followed the Kings to an extent, but just because Mitch Richmond was like oh, one yeah. of my favorite players. Yeah. I love Mitch Richmond. So I'd kind of follow those three teams, but the Jazz were like 
the one I would root for most. And then when the Hornets moved to New Orleans and I started doing work there, I just, you know, it didn't it 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 didn't take me as long as I thought it would to just Cat pick says, up and start following. Cat you know. says I'm done with the Jazz. What's your like? Once you're actually around a team too, and like yeah, it's you're, different. You're constantly there mm-hmm. and you're seeing things, and they're you know, I was I was at the arena back when they were just doing stuff there and courtside and all that. So it cut at the time too, being in my early 20s, it was just cool having access to yeah. NBA stuff. So from there, I just you know, and then I moved back here and I just kept rooting for them. And Chris Paul helped with that, even though they're for the most part a disaster of a franchise that. Oh. It's never even been to a conference freaking final. It's just the way that they handle things. I mean, it's like, you know, people jump on Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis left. He had to win a championship. But I think he looked around him with New Orleans and just looked at, at how things were being run. I mean, you know, like it was like a minor league operation is what it was. And he's sure. like, I'm getting out of here. They made the changes when he left yes. but or when he announced he was leaving. Yeah. So much needed changes. Right. But it's kind of like. At that point, it's like now. Look, he went about it the wrong way because he he just lied and he, oh, I agree. Yeah, he, he yes. said right. He he could have waited three more months. Yes, but he um and he said that you know he didn't make that decision until right yeah December, which in reality he Alfred told me on this show actually you know he, he Alfred wasn't mad about it. He's like he told us before the season something like that would probably happen, <laughs> and the year before they're in the second round of the playoffs uh-huh. and he had already made the decision before the season started. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Um. And I don't, I don't, I sure as hell don't blame Chris Paul for wanting to get out. I mean, the team was, didn't even have an owner. Yeah. You know, now they've pumped a lot of money into the team. Um, David Griffin needs to, you know, get his together. But um, they've pumped a lot of money into the team. They have a, a, a great practice facility. Yes. You know, back back when, you know, they first moved to New Orleans for years, they were practicing at the Ilario yes. Center. Yeah, they no made No disrespect tries. to the Ilario yes. Center on the West Bank. Right. I mean, I've been there, but, like, that's where you hold high school yeah. tournaments. That's not where you host an NBA yeah. team. Like, their training room, I was like, are you – yeah. You're this, not going to attract players to come there, and you're not going to no. tra- you're not going to keep players in your organization doing that. So yeah, no. they made they made great strides. I mean, George Shin was you know he had money issues, and he was kind of a I, I don't want to just no. So then he can't he can't really fund the team, so the league buys it. And when Tom bought the team, he was Tom Benson was. Let me tell you something. The last couple years there with Tommy B, mm-hmm. I don't know that you know. I mean, you get older is my point. Yeah. Like he's not. You know, so at least Gale now is is putting up the money and they're doing something. But I, you know, this year was an abject failure. Who is your pick to get to the finals? Well, I hate to be the front runner here, but um, the Lakers. Uh, you know, if they're healthy, obviously. I mean, you know, LeBron's ankle, and I'll be rooting for Chris Paul. Man. Um, oh, I'm I'm rooting against the Lakers now, but I'm just telling you, I think they're going to get there in the East. I'm not going to go with a front runner. I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks, okay. who a lot of people think I don't think I have, have any chance. Oh, Giannis never wins the big game. He never wins the big series. Um, I think that, you know, a guy like former a former Pelican, Drew, Drew Holiday, Holiday, I think he's made a uh, he's going to make a big difference in that team in the uh, in the playoffs. And let, let's not act like Giannis has had this awful year, folks. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, well, he hadn't been the MVP. Well, he's been good. Before the season, I think I'd pick like Milwaukee and the Clippers or something. Um, I think Utah's going to the finals. Not oh, necessarily because, so. but but there was this big thing yesterday. Here's here's a last point as we wrap up the show. Steve's next with Beyond the Game. Here's a point I've been bringing up a lot the last few weeks that is subject to change here in the next month. But saw a headline yesterday: Knicks 
Madison Square Garden sells out 15,000 tickets to Knicks mm-hmm. playoff games in minutes. Well, sure they do. They're only allowed 7,500 for those two games, which yeah. is all they can currently mm-hmm. sell for because that's all they're guaranteed at this point in time. That's all, like, they're only allowed 10% capacity. Mm-hmm. How great of a home court advantage yes. is it compared to you go to Salt Lake City where those fans are already, I'm not going to say nice things about them, a bit rude, <laughs> uh-huh. on edge, yeah. loud, 75% capacity. Whoa. In L.A. right now, it's at 11%, mm-hmm. Staples Center. So home court advantage, and you've heard players this year say it. Like, yeah. They miss the fans. They did. They they uh, they. And JJ Reger was like, I didn't really realize how much energy you actually get from a live crowd. Mm-hmm. But the players last year in the bubble, they're like, it felt weird. It felt like you were just scrimmaging in these important games. Now, after not really having a ton of fans, the Jazz, who have the best record in the league, mm-hmm. are going to have serious home court advantage, like times two. In mm-hmm. a, they, they already have one of – I mean, they're 31-5 and five at home. They already have one of the better home court advantages in sports. Now it's going to be double to me. Now, a month from now, Steve, maybe more arenas or right. like, maybe more states are like, actually, we can open up more. Mm-hmm. It's full. And that could change things. But if you get to like a conference finals or, or, or a semifinals and it's Clippers, Jazz, and like the second round. I'm all for that. The Clippers are good, but it's not like they're going to have any kind of home court no. advantage in L.A. So now when the Jazz are on the road, it's nothing. Now when they're at home, they got the altitude and they've got the biggest crowd in the playoffs. So those things, plus the fact that they're good, and, and yeah, they've come up short, and I have not picked them to go to the finals the last few years, but I yeah. think this is the year they do it. What's the most underrated playoff series of all time? There's a correct answer to this. Well, no, there was a Kings-Jazz first-round series in uh, in 1998 that was – or yeah, 98 that was just – Jazz and uh, Nuggets last year. That was a great. That series. was a good series. Great that was a good series. series. No, not a but, good one. A great one. Yeah, again, bubble. <laughs> Sac- Sacramento. You. This was like maybe Jason Williams was. This was like kind of the early makings of what the Kings were going to yeah. become. Like the you know the a league darling. The Jazz were just kind of still hanging on. I say ninety eight. I take it was ninety nine. It was ninety nine. Five Mike games. Doug Christie. Oh, only only five games because it was a first round series. But man, I mean, you're talking. Multiple games went to overtime. Every game just mm. felt like it was uh, – they wore each other out. Yeah. Like, that's what happened in that series. They just – they got exhausted. But, um, yeah, it was – and and the, the the league that year, the games were kind of compressed because it was a 50-game schedule because mm. of the strikes. So they were playing incredible series. I asked Buckley if he remembered it, and he's like, oh, yeah, I remember that series. <laughs> if you would bring 20 NBA fans in here and – oh, I'm going to go 20-20 and ask them to name – the top – no, I'm not going to go 20. 20 NBA fans and ask them to name the top 15 players in the NBA. How many of them do you think would leave Donovan Mitchell off? Just because they forget about All him. of them. Yes, I'm with you. Is he top 15? He's right on the edge. I think he's top 15. You say top 20, how many would do it? Yes. Here's a poll we had yesterday as we wrap up the show. Guy's good. Yesterday <laughs> morning, this is a debate I've been having. Talked about it a little bit in the 7 o'clock hour with Gus. Who is more exciting to watch? And this was coming off the hills of Wednesday's game. Steph Curry or LeBron James? The most exciting More Steph. exciting to watch. Yeah, yeah, Steph. Yeah. It's not better. Right. More exciting? Yeah. 83% of the vote, by the way, yeah. on our Twitter poll had Steph. 17% LeBron. LeBron he's can, six feet tall, and he shoots from just, feet. you know. And, and what's so ironic about it is that LeBron made a Steph Curry type of shot over Steph, you know, to, to win the game. He was seeing three rims. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I need to let everyone know. 
All right, that's going to do it for the Great Scott Show. Steve is next with Beyond the Game, and then tonight at some point, they say 5-15 pregame, we will see, for Ragin' Cajun softball against George Washington. Massive series. Got to get out of the regionals. Don't go anywhere. More is coming your way. It's Katie and his best sports leader, ESPN1420.com. This has been the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up.